Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, a weekly look at the world of hockey with your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. So, do we want to tackle my um, redundant questions? Redundant people are redundant. <laughs> the Department of Redundancy Department? Yeah. Or do we want to just kind of gloss that over and move on to other things? <laughs> I mean, it's not like we don't have anything else to talk about, I guess. <laughs> well, nothing happened. Oh. Nothing with historical significance until somebody does something this week. Are, are you in a tunnel, Pat? Yeah, you're really quiet. Am, am I? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I know that I'm kind of loud. I'm trying to moderate that, but... I was definitely picking up uh, a lot of uh, exterior noise. How's that sound? That's better. All right, good. Good. We have some extra house guests at the moment, so. Of the invited kind or the uninvited kind? No, in- invited. Okay. <laughs> Just plans change and they were here a little longer. Than we were, I, everyone was anticipating. So, but gotcha. We're good. Um, yeah, let's let's just tackle the question for funsies. Funsies. All right. Are there any geographic hockey rivalries, not necessarily NHL, but anywhere in hockey that you can think of that are legitimate rather than manufactured? I, I think I mentioned this after we stopped recording last week, but my mind immediately went to the four Boston area universities that play in the bean pot. And I was unsure how much of any of it was manufactured or how much of it was, you know, legitimate between BC, BU, Harvard, and Northeastern. Um, and I was most curious about BU and Northeastern. Sorry, Pat. First of all, it's Harvard. Okay. Are we talking about the town or the college? Because they're two different places named Harvard. (laughs) The University Harvard. All right. Is that like like the University of Massachusetts at Harvard? Is that what it is? No, no. It's University of Massachusetts at Amherst. Oh, well, I knew of that one. That's the good hockey school that <laughs> is, isn't allowed to play in that tournament. Well, I'm wondering if if it's a rivalry simply because they have that tournament. And so is it manufactured because of the tournament or is the rivalry there because of the tournament between any of the schools? I mean, we could just start. We could do a crazy logic gate on this one. I will I will not be writing a logic gate while we are recording, I promise. Uh, Come on. We've all taken discrete mathematics, right? I took it on a blackboard. <laughs> yes, you um, have it. <laughs> I, it's chicken and egg with that one, I think. It really is. I, I think it is. And it's it's because, you know, you look at the sculling, right? And it's what they consider the Ivy Leagues. It's Yale, Harvard, 
you know, are the and are the are the big ones. And then over in ice hockey, it's like this weird quartet. And I think you were kind of touching on it about the whole northeastern. You know, how the hell did they get involved in this? I think mm. they were invited. I think that honestly, I'd have to go back and look at history, but my supposition, just completely blind, is that they thought the, um, is that probably Harvard and 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 BU thought they'd be a, a a pummeling school, the Washington Generals to their Globetrotters. Yeah, it's the we need one more guy. Who can we get? <laughs> right. And, and, what, like, and what's an easy game to book? Yeah. <laughs> you know who's. Uh, Whose team are we always beating up in football and basketball? Let's take their hockey team. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they won't invite I... they won't invite Amherst or Lowell or Lowell, so they have to get some other team in town. Well, to be fair, they don't want to go to Lowell, so it's okay. <laughs> no, but I'm sure you know Lowell would want to leave. Yeah. Um, and and you notice that MIT doesn't send a team. I mean, come on. They definitely like out coach everybody. Oh, they'd be they'd have the protractors out and the uh, slide rules and <laughs> they would completely... be playing three D hockey. <laughs> well, they seriously would. You know. So okay, so you you get MIT, you get RPI, RPI, and oh boy, oh, there's there's got to be like at least one or two one other technical school. I want to see a tournament with three teams just to see what these smarty pants could do. Carnegie Mellon. Carnegie Mellon. Okay. Mm. Isn't there one in Rochester? No, it's RPI's Rochester. Yeah. Um, let's get let's get MIT Carnegie Mellon, and and for the heck of it, let's bring in Stanford because they've always had the big brain. Well, Caltech persona. Okay. Oh, Caltech. there you go. There you go. Sorry. Well, Caltech. West Coast, East Coast. You actually said you said Rochester. I forgot about RIT, which is in Rochester. Right. That's what I was thinking. RPI is the other side of New York State. I never remember with them. Oh, it's all like a blur. I had I'd have to look up the map. <laughs> Where yeah, are all they... the college hockey teams? Oh, they're and in they... Troy, New York. Troy, New York, which is in proximity to Albany. And it'd be the Touring Cup, right? It'd be the I mean, it would have Touring to be. Cup. Yeah. Except for what do you have to do to to unlock or earn the cup? There you has to, to be some sort of translating involved. You have to convince the other team that you're good at hockey. <laughs> Believably good at hockey. Mm. Mm. Boy, did we dive off really quick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to bring things back on track, the only real rivalry is... Uh, <laughs> Canadian and U.S. women. Can we agree on that? Geographic rivalry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got there are some there are some junior hockey rivalries that are floating around, but they kind of ebb and flow depending on who's good and who's bad. Um. <laughs> well, so to that point, Seattle and Portland has always been, and um, has always been a a little bit bloodier bloodbath in the WHL, regardless of who's been good or not. Because I think that's just, there's just an inherent dislike between those two cities. It's, I, 
I cannot explain it. And I've lived here pretty much my entire life, and I could not sit there and point back to any any sort of genesis of where that came from. It probably started out with AAA baseball. Which is possible, but I think it goes even further back than that. And it's just, you know, because... Now, you know where it probably started? (laughs) It probably started with the western terminus of the uh, Burlington Northern Pacific Railroad. (laughs) And see, I'm I'm sitting here thinking it's... you know, it's we used to tie we used to tie lemons on our belt. That was the fashion of the day. You know, it's like it goes back as far as Shelbyville and Springfield. There's there's nothing to it other than they just got mad at each other and they took the lemon tree. <laughs> you know, we got it, it could simply be, you know, just because they were trying to get um port of call for the the Yukon gold rush or something. Who knows? But there's, it's just, you grew up around here, you hated Portland. Actually, hate's too strong a word. You just always look down your nose at Portland. And, and Portland hated you because you always look down your nose at Portland. And it just feeds into everything. I mean, it was... See, I, I tell people who don't live in the area, in, in the Pacific Northwest, that Portland is who gives the Pacific Northwest a bad rap for being weird. It's not just weird, it's grimy. And and the only other, the other, and I'm just so we're not, you know, Pat and Cassie's Northwest, Patrick and Cassie's Northwest chit chat show. um, I have a lot of family that live in California and there, there is a triangle of hate. People from the Sacramento area kind of despise San Francisco and Southern California people that live in the Bay Area despise SoCal. And people in SoCal are ambivalent towards everyone else because they're looking down their nose at you. So you have those built-in and free geographical rivalries simply because, you know, again, they tied a lemon around their waist, which was at the fashion at the time. And that's just... Those to me are probably the big ones because East Coast, eh, outside of the Manhattan, you know, the Long Island, Manhattan, New Jersey trifecta, it's, you know, I can't see any other ones that are just sort of truly there. I mean, there are plenty that exist. I mean, I, first thing that comes to mind since I've been in North Carolina. 22 plus years is Charlotte and Raleigh. They're just, they're just different flavors and they just don't go well together. They're just two completely different worlds, but on a national level, there's just nothing to care about like between them. I mean, other than unless you're a huge economics or, or, or interested in urban planning, measuring anything between these two cities means nothing. At least Portland and Seattle both had at least pro basketball for a while. And I'm sure some of it stemmed from that. Oh, it, it, it fuels it. I mean, it, it definitely carried it, it over. I, it was probably a catalyst for driving the national reputation because I mean, I was certainly aware that. Oh yeah. 
people yeah, from the it, two cities don't really care for each other, but no one can really articulate why. Right. I mean, there, we used to have, you know, every every sort of major city had their own little um, late night comedy show, by and large. You know, you, you had your local celebrities on it. And ours was, if you weren't making fun of, you know, basically anything south of Olympia, you weren't true Western Washington. And Portland was just big old bullseye. Um, yeah, I'm trying I mean, to... that was the whole point of, of Portlandia with Carrie Brownstein, who oh, that's true. her band was Slater Kinney, which is a street in Lacey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that should tell you everything you need to know about that show. Um, but yeah, I mean, to your point, Pat, there's, I, I think at the national level, it's harder to find because there's a lot of in-state, cross-state type rivalries that exist in other sports, especially when you start digging into the minor level, like I was sort of mentioning the CHL, or WHL in this case, the WHL part of the CHL. Um, Seattle and Portland has always been, for as long as there's been a Portland Winterhawks and Seattle Thunderbirds, they've been going at each other. I mean, it's even, it's, it's technically it's Washington versus Oregon. Generally speaking, Portland's just kind of the biggest town in Oregon because you still you also have the Oregon Ducks and Washington Huskies. There's a rivalry yeah, there, but we're strange. College, <laughs> yeah, well, I was gonna say it, and sort of bringing out to the national level, uh, college sports tends to do a lot of that. You know, this, the the big the big two effectively basketball and football because. You know, everyone and their dog sort of knows about the Tar Heel Duke type crap that goes on and at the basketball level. And but is there is there any is there a rivalry outside of that? I mean, in that, in that sort there, of triangle is, area? there is in all sports. It's it's let's use your your, uh, you know, your metropolitan tri-state area connection where let's say the Rangers and Devils for a while, they might have had a thing, and the Islanders thought they were rivals with another school, but they forgot to clue in the other two teams to that. It, it's very much like that. If the teams are good, there's always going to be something between Duke and, and UNC, um, even to the point where their people will show up for club hockey games to bring this all full circle. Um, <laughs> but... You know, like NC State's like, yeah, the NC State fans care when something is, you know, when they're playing the other programs. The other programs, eh, they don't care so much. That's that's the one-way rivalry, right? Yeah. Like like Toronto and Ottawa. Yeah, well, before... Ottawa, yeah. Yeah, it's like before Duke uh, became prominent in basketball back in the late 80s and mostly the early 90s, you know... Carolina and NC State were a thing. And I mean, all schools, they're all like 30 minutes away from each other at the end of the day. And uh, they just play a bunch. Because college, it it just works out perfectly to develop that. And because they have shorter seasons, so there's always more at stake. Whereas, all right, bring this back, this conversation back to the NHL. And when I hear Torts say, Where's the hate? Where's the rivalries everywhere? Well, it's because you play 82 freaking games 
even against a team that you don't like, at most you're only playing them four, five times maybe in, in certain circumstances. Over the course of six months. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like you're doing back-to-backs home and away. Yeah, and it's if, if before we get into the Battle of Alberta discussion, think how much the, the, the beef between Matthew Kachuk and Drew Doughty was kind of manufactured. Well, there was something there, there was some, to there start. was something heat. There was some heat, but it's like. But yeah, it, I see what you're saying. It's, it's the not snowball. Yeah, it's not must view watching because of whatever's happened to them in the past. Now the next two, Calgary and Edmonton games, might be a little more heated. Might be a little more interesting because we just don't know what certain parties are going to do. Well, I got to love that Zach Cassian, and I know we're probably rehashing stuff that other podcasts said, and I don't really give two flips right now, um, <laughs> which is something we try not to do on on. Well, average, they steal from us plenty. This so. is exactly uh, that damn Jeff Merrick and <laughs> Maddie Marchese. Have you listened to Hockey Central at noon? Maddie's got questions is usually the last segment. I want I want you to tell me how many times Maddie has stolen our question of the week because he has. Well, um, who do you, who do you think listens for Jeff? Well, not Jeff. He, oh, he has no. people. He has people do stuff like that. Yes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> his people. <laughs> Hi, Jeff. <laughs> his people. Um, yeah. To sort of bring back to your point, I just I love what Cassian was sort of saying in the press. He's like, "Hey, I didn't mind the hits. I didn't think they were illegal, but." Did I think that they were, you know, taking a run at me? Yeah. Well, if you're going to do that kind of stuff, guess what? I'm old school. And I just sit there going, God, yeah, you know, because, boy, you looked at Gretzky funny. You were looking at Dave Semenko in the next shift. You looked at, you know, Lemieux funny. You were looking oftentimes at Kevin Stevens or Rick Tockett the next shift. You know, that kind of stuff the self-policing aspect of the game was there because yeah, there is stuff that's technically legal, but you cannot convince me any way, shape or form that Kachuk wasn't taking a run at him and just happened. You know, it's sort of what a lot of the sharks fans think about Dustin Brown, um, that he's a cheap shot artist. Well, I think Dustin Brown plays to that line and every once in a while sort of slides over it. And See, that's what I think Kachuk does. I'm not a fan of Cassian, but I appreciate the fact that he didn't say he didn't, he didn't play the victim. He didn't play the yeah. victim. Yeah, I appreciate that because so yeah. many NHLers they get hit badly or it's a it's a hard but clean hit and they suddenly play the victim. They're like, oh no, they were targeting me. They were out to hurt me. I didn't do anything wrong. Um yeah. So I can appreciate that. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, he he didn't. And, you know, Kachuk's like, if you don't want to get hit, stay out of the railroad tracks. And it's like, well, okay. If you don't want to get pummeled, stop taking run at guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's simple conversation to have, Matthew. But you just wipe that pepper steak eating grin off your face, sunshine, because you know what you were doing. Don't don't give me that, you know, hey, I was playing hard and no. 
nah. There's no way you can convince me any other way that he didn't line up Cassian and say, I'm going to take a pop at him. And he got it in clean. I have zero problems with any of the hits. Were they a little blindside? Yeah. But again, by by our favorite friend, the misunderstood rule book, completely clean. Completely clean. So Cassian turning around and dummying him for it and him turtling a la Claude Lemieux, hey, sorry. That's the other half of the game. Like people that complain about free speech. Well, yeah, you are free to say anything you want. You're not free from the repercussion from it. That's what it is. It's the if you can't if you can't if you can't take it, don't stop. If you're if you're if you want to play that style of hockey, be prepared for for someone to stand up. Yeah, for someone to stand up to you. And yeah. we can sit here and say the game's gotten softer and all this and that. I mean, people, like you said, Cass, playing the victim after some of these hits. That's because that's what they've been brought up in. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to rationalize, but I don't want to see that aspect of the game go away. You take liberties at my star guy. Well, mm-hmm, you know. Sure, they're they're by definition by rule they may be clean, but you know that's our that's our bacon maker, <laughs> and I'll be damned if I'm going to let you you know sideline him or take him off his game or give him you know it's always been part of the game that I grew up with, and I don't want to see that aspect leave. So I I don't know two games was like okay whatever yeah I get what you're saying to him. You had an unwilling participant, but he chose to be unwilling. <laughs> you know, <laughs> generally, if you don't want to fight somebody that's got his gloves off and taking a punch at you, that's your choice. But if he's doing it out of repercussion for what you've done to him, you might want to stand up. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is I've got the 29th, which I think is the next game they play each other, and he's back from suspension circled on the calendar. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go circle it on the calendar. See, yeah. I want I, I want to, like... On the one hand, I want to be like, yeah, I don't really like seeing the retribution thing in the game, but then I have to, like, take a step back and realize, no, that's how I used to play, so I can't really say that. <laughs> Yeah, he's like you breathe on my goalie wrong. I was in your face. I mean, yeah. that's just how I was. It's like you you catch my star player in basketball. I was going to like take an elbow discreetly at your ribs. You know, it was that kind of stuff. And and uh, again, I would like to say, yeah, I don't really care for seeing it. It's like, well, okay, that's hypocritical. I can't really say that because I would do it. That would be. If if I were still playing, that would be how I would still be playing. So I can't. I can't. <laughs> the problem is, you just couldn't do it every play, and there was right. a period of time, late '90s, early 2000s, where it was every play. Right. Well, and that's no, so down mean, the game. Christ, Pat, go back even further than that. 
well you know the, the the battle of alberta games i used to watch you know take three and a half hours almost four hours long some nights well, well that's because the referees had to bend over so much to pick up pucks out of the net okay that was five minutes of it maybe um okay 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 all right i see my rounding error error there was 25 minutes of picking up gloves and sticks yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah at least um and that was that was still you know sort of like right around the time that the whole third man in and bench clearing stuff was coming into play and they were still line brawls were not uncommon so um and and going back around to rivalries thank goodness we had some hockey news this week <laughs> oh you don't want to talk about why nbcsn is scheduling tampa at la at the exact same time of the first calgary edmonton game on on uh wednesday january 29th we don't want to get to that um <laughs> i'm going to give him a pass and and it's for one reason and one reason only they put toronto and edmonton on how out of character was that not just one canadian team two canadian teams they Is put it legal? on in there i thought that they weren't I, I, supposed to do that i, I well, have no Buff- idea buffalo tipped the scales because they'll watch anything and enough Leafs fans live in Toronto or in, uh, you know, Western New York. But that was like, where did this come from on the schedule? Who made this decision? Do they still have a job at NBC? Yes. Because <laughs> Sam Flood. Has Sportsnet sued them yet? Well, no, because the game was still, I, it was, I want to say it was a Wednesday night game because it was also carried, it was carried on Sportsnet too. Yeah. And so since uh, national rights, you can show it in both countries. Yeah. Uh, so I was, I'll give them a pass on that. Do I think it's stupid? Well, yeah, but they didn't know this was coming. Now, should they have what the, whatever the NFL has is like flex power or something stupid like that? Where if they see a game is creeping up in importance, they can move the game into their Sunday night primetime slot. I, I kind of think that NBC should be a little bit more flexible and at the start of the season, instead of just saying, here are the games we're covering, put some asterisks in there, especially yeah. as you get to this part of the season. Because, you know, I can't wait for that Los Angeles Anaheim game to be, you know, the late game on NBCSN coming around you know in march when maybe you know vancouver i won't say vancouver or maybe vegas and 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 um arizona are kind of in a tilt for a playoff spot vegas which brings me back around see how i did that uh-huh. all right back around to the rivalry side of it vegas <laughs> So how pissed off is George <laughs> or Gerard Gallant? Oh, I just, wow. Like, it's one thing for a man to lose his job. But way to twist the knife and bring in Pete DeBoer to replace him. Jeez. 
he might as well just left him at the curb and made him call his own cap because I don't think it could have gotten any worse than to say you're out and the guy you called the clown is in. <laughs> and and fired for no real legitimate reason that we could figure out, although it was reported that it was for performance and not for anything <laughs> other than that. But they, I... Because hmm. <laughs> we live in that world now where you have to be fired for cause or for hockey performance. Right. As you stated. Right. Um, which I'm totally fine with. Cause yeah, I, I appreciate that, actually. Some of those guys are jerkwads. But, yeah, when you... You'd almost this is almost one of those cases where I wish they would have lied and said it was something else. Because for performance, you're going, yeah, they haven't been great, but maybe if their goaltending was just a skosh better, just saying. Like, um, they're on a four game losing streak, but they're three points out of playoffs and they're not that far out of the division lead. And, um, what? <laughs> Well, yeah, this just. Uh, what are you doing? I mean, it's a bit of a reach. I'm not gonna lie, but Vegas should be running away with this division. There, there is no reason outside of goaltending because that that is what's holding them back, apparently. Um. For them to be sitting in this logjam, they should have been a, they are a skilled enough regular season team. Uh, we can discuss their merits about them actually being able to win it all. Cause I very much feel like this is a, we are going for it this year move. Um, they should be running away with the division. I do think they have underachieved. And oh, yeah. I mean, they, they're five, five and oh in their last 10. But the thing is, is that, is that over a course of say four or five years, you expect to have an off season somewhere in there. And usually most coaches get the benefit of the doubt to coast through that and see if they can turn it around the following season. Well, and then add to that, there's kind of the old, you know, you owe your coach, uh, couple of trades or something and when you're in one of those situations to see if it's if it's players maybe you know need need a little bit more of a wake up that the coach can't give them because they're starting to tune them out but i don't know yeah that's that's just the ultimate knife twist and like like i said you know it's it's guaranteed they're gonna win the cup this year because the only good year you have with Peter DeBoer is his it's first his one. first year. Was it the uh, first full is... one or the first? No, just the first time, just that it's... sort of first season. Yeah, he's never joined a team mid-season before, if memory okay. serves, in his three previous stints. So yeah, but he's and and the funny thing is, is he's never had a team this good before, and and I know people are throwing crap at their iPods or their personal listening devices right now. I'm thinking about San Jose. I'm sorry that San Jose roster that went to the cup was not as good and as deep as this Vegas team is. Hmm. They had a they had a yellow brick roll, yellow brick road paved for them that year in the Stanley Cup. Now you win the games that are in front of you. You have to win, but 
the two powerhouse teams beat the hell out of each other and were pretty much out of their way by the time San Jose got past the first round. You know, it was that was still sort of the tail end of the the Los Angeles to Chicago um, pinnacle, and they were gone. So those are the two teams that have always been the bailiwick to to San Jose, and that San Jose roster was not that good. And my proof of that is simply they got walked by a Pittsburgh team that wasn't as good. You know, they got exposed so fast by that team in that Stanley Cup final. So, yes, I don't. I still will hold that Peter DeVore has not had the depth. Now, high-end talent, San Jose had more high-end talent, but beyond that high-end talent, they weren't nearly as deep as Vegas was. Or still is. Yeah, but Vegas lacks a right-handed defenseman that'll make them a threat in the playoffs, according to some NHL executive. Oh, I read that. I read that one. I read that one uh, a day or two after after the move, and I almost lost it. Really, Um, one 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 position who who happens to point his stick in one direction is the difference between a cup. And not a cup team. And 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 I just sit there and go, and what, maybe 26, 27 other teams are also missing that same exact player? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Everyone I, is don't even get me started on the right-handed defenseman thing again. <laughs> just, just let's not do that. <laughs> I'm, oh, God, please stop with that crowd, because it's... Whether like, the threat is the left side or the right side, it doesn't matter if they've got one back there. And I think Vegas does, Shea Theodore is starting to to show that kind of prowess. You know, I, and, and I'm, I'm this guy. I would rather have six defensemen that are all a little threatening than one guy who's a real threat, another guy who's kind of threatening, and four other guys that just stay home. Because now I've got distribution across all of my defensive pairs and i'm gonna win because of that because you who do you shut down everyone's uh, gonna bite you and now i'd like you to match up that kind of framework against that sharks penguin series from 2016 because woof a team to get beat by that pittsburgh defense just just goes to show you, you adapt to what you have. Yeah. Like when Ron Hainsey is your number one, who he was serviceable at that time, at that point of his career, a three on some teams, a four or five on others. But it worked for them because yeah. right, right now the NHL is too inundated and playing half the offensive zone. And when there's a puck battle and it comes loose, you just want to have a defenseman that can hold the puck in. So that's why everyone clamors for a right-handed defender on the right side, because it's easier for them to keep the puck in quickly. It doesn't take that extra half second to move from your back end to your forehand to either put it in the corner or pass it back over to the left side. 
So it's also like a clean shot from the point from that side. And that's actually, I think, more what they're looking at, too, is the wall of defense can shoot from the point. And if you have a right handed defenseman on the right side, then he has a clean shot without having to bobble the puck and reposition it and trying to like get the shot off and allowing guys in front of the net to like block shots and whatever. But at the same time, it's like it's also an aesthetic thing. It just seems right to have a right handed defenseman on the right side and a left handed defenseman on the left side. However, you don't hear that about right wingers and left wingers, do you? Well, you did, but very, very rarely. Well, you did, but some of those coaches got fired this year. (laughs) So we're not hearing from them too much anymore. Um, (laughs) Not right now, anyway. So we'll never hear from again. Um, Um, Well, no, one I know we'll hear from again. The other one I do not think we'll hear from again. I think Babcock's in a bunker somewhere and he'll emerge like a cockroach after the nuclear fallout's over for me. (laughs) As far as Iserman hasn't snatched him up with how Detroit's been playing. Uh, He he played for a a hot minute. He's not going to do that. Although, I do have to say, speaking of Iserman for a second here, is that um, seeing as Detroit hasn't really done a lot this year in terms of, you know, trades and, and whatnot, and they're not playing terribly well. Um, it looks like Bruce Ball was really the brains behind Tampa. Um, Detroit's a full-on tank. He literally stepped in this year. He's no, made a couple of trades that have. He's made a couple of trades that have panned out. Robbie Fabry is fantastic. You know, he's made little moves like that. But yeah, to like Pat said, you know, if they're not if they're not looking, you know, at Byfield or Lafreniere or any of the top five picks, they, then I would consider it a failure. If they if they were outside the top five picking mm-hmm. beyond a lottery, then that's a complete failure for him as a GM this year. Because that's all this season should be. I'm not sure, only because he hasn't signed a stupid contract. In my mind, it's stupid. There are some I might not like, only because at this point in the the cap world, and we can laugh at what Vancouver did a couple years ago when they signed their fourth line to God, way too much money. (laughs) But when you have a bunch of... When you have a bunch of young players and the cap continues to creep up, you got to pay someone. Or you oh, can yeah. do what the Anaheim Ducks are apparently going to do, and they'll just buy your cap problems it's just, for a price. They, yeah, I, I just am watching that, and I just think of trading places. <laughs> you know, they're on they're on the floor going, sell, 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 buy, buy, buy. <laughs> They're buying. They're buying bad contracts. Bye, bye, bye. They're driving up the the frozen concentrated orange juice price. <laughs> oh, oh, God, Vegas. All right, all right. We're just glancing so. up. <laughs> well, not Montreal has been pointed out ten thousand times. 
Um, oh, because he cannot speak the French. No, he just has the name that's been mispronounced. Or no, that was Guy Bear. Guy, Guy Herbert. Herbert? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, someone was, I forget which vehicle it was on, but someone said, yeah, he showed up to his first first day of camp and everyone kept calling him by this pronunciation. And then he was too exhausted to correct them anymore. <laughs> so he just went with it. And I kind of like that. Um, yeah, I've been there. Where is I going to go? I don't think he'll go to Seattle. Yeah, I don't think he's going to wait that long. I don't think he's going to wait that long. I don't think he goes to Detroit. Like, I do think Blashill is, he's just finishing out a contract at this point. I I don't think, this is, this is delving deep again and into a team that is relatively meaningless this year, but I would it would be insane for Detroit to do anything with Blashell beyond retaining him for another year yeah. after this. We don't know what he is as a coach. No, and we could say the same about um, John Hines now in Nashville. Right. We you know, know he's had a bunch of pieces. Yeah. He he had. 18 skaters with names on their backs. Just nothing to really deal with yeah. whatever division he's in and going up yeah. against three surefire playoff teams each and every year. He had guy, guy, left-handed guy, slow guy, AHL guy, young guy. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what he had. I Blasio, we don't, I don't know. We don't know what he is as a coach at this level because he was just given guy, old guy, overpriced guy, slow guy, old guy, kid, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to throw this out here. Circling back to Gallant. I think he goes to Calgary. As good as Jeff Ward may or may not do. I don't think they're built to do anything in the playoffs right now. I think they're going to flame out again in the first round. Should they be lucky enough to make it? And I don't think Jeff Ward will be hired on full time. I think Gallant goes to the Flames hmm. because he'll be hired by a new GM. Oh, oh, there's a little nugget you're dropping into that conversation. <laughs> you think you, you think if they get bounced, her living goes? Yes. If they do not win a playoff round, he's gone. Because would this be coach number four? Should he not retain Ward? I think it's three. But unless, yeah, you know what? Unless your name is Doug. Because he inherited Hartley, or Bob Hartley. Thank you. Um, he inherited Bob Hartley. 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 Um, hired guy whose last name I can't pronounce. Gullison? Gullison, yeah. there we go. Um, Who? Ben Peters. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, exactly, Cassie. Exactly. <laughs> Who is um, assistant coach in Dallas? He's an assistant somewhere now again. Well, he I might be in where. Dallas. Because I presume they had to pull somebody else up on that bench. Uh, well, no, he was, he'd was. he been an assistant coach. At, oh God, I think it is Dallas. He was an assistant coach in Dallas prior to that. 
Uh, he, he he is in Edmonton. Oh, I was gonna say, didn't, didn't Dallas clear yeah. out their entire coaching staff? No, no, uh, no. They brought who in was it then? they brought in John know. Stevens uh, in the off season just to be an assistant under Montgomery, and he and um, bonus bonus. Oh, right, right, the two right, on the bench, right. and then right. I think they brought someone up from the Texas Stars to to join the bench. Yeah, to be the third. Yeah, got you know I'm sitting there and I was literally just watching the Edmonton Arizona game today, and could not re- remember that Gullitson was there. I I was in the right no I was in, I was in the right time zone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Quarter point for me, yay. Um, I don't, man, that'd be interesting. Yeah, so I I think a lot is on the line in Calgary. Yeah, I, I'm getting that feeling. Because um, they, I think they are clued into the point that they are staring mediocrity right in the face. And I think they're actually prepared to do something about it. Now, whether they do anything wisely or poorly remains to be seen, but... Well, it's going to be very telling because that's one of those situations that I think last year's, you know, regular season run and then playoff performance really set the stage for some of those guys too. Yeah. You know, the Monahans and the Goudros and the, even the Kachucks to a certain degree. So if they if they fail to make the playoffs, yeah, I can see Jeff Ward not being there. Man, I don't know if they'd can for living though. That'd be very interesting. I think there is some impatience going on. Mm. So yeah, hello and, Gerard Glant. And that, <laughs> and I don't see any other attractive potential openings for him, where he could be, where he's not dealing with a rebuild. Like Minnesota might be a great spot, but after doing the expansion thing and probably avoiding, you know, Seattle. You know, what direction does he really want to go in? Because his last two contracts, you know, he's out pretty quickly. So why doesn't he just go to a, all right, I'm the guy to push the team over the edge instead of I'm the guy that gets you up to the doorway. Because that's what it kind of feels like he was with Vegas. He got them to the doorway. Yeah. God, yeah, Calgary would be definitely interesting. But yeah, I agree. I I don't think he's a coach that is gonna willingly, you know, his his preference would not be to be back in that position of okay, I'll start from the ground floor and work my way up again. Especially after the whole goat rodeo crap that he went through in Florida. Um Huh. Yeah, I was going to say, whatever team has the highest expectations and gets bounced in the first round would probably be where he's landing, and that really does kind of sound like Calgary, doesn't it? <laughs> the only other team I could picture in that same vein, but I don't think they would make a coaching change that quick, would be the Penguins. No. I, I think Sullivan's... Well, He's he, there for as long because Crosby wants him there. Yeah, and he just and signed exactly a four-year extension that will kick in next year. So, well, that doesn't matter because they can DeBoer after before his 
or actually just after his extension kicked in. Yeah. And in this day and age, it's whatever. That's, you know, if ownership has got the money, they'll eat it. And then when that guy, you know, gets hired somewhere else eventually because there's only 31 people that know how to do this job, apparently, or 33, because you need that one, you're the two people to swap in and out. Um, someone else will pick him up. They'll eat half or not half, if not half, like three quarters of the salary, and that'll be that. So, yeah. That... Well, see, I only thought they did that Maybe. with GMs in New Jersey eating, you know, major contract extensions right after they happened. <laughs> have we have we talked about that one? Not yet. Um, oh boy. <laughs> the only other team I, I could see maybe is Dallas. Because I don't think bonus, I don't know, I, I just from the press conference, I got the, the suspicion that he is caretaker until the end of the year hmm. because they didn't want to bring someone in because the pool wasn't too deep at the time. And uh, also, you, you can't bring in a, a, a third face at this point. Right. Right. Well, you could, but <laughs> that's you know. Well, con- that, that the team president has to start t- using expletives that he talked about his players with and talk about himself instead. Exactly. So, so you don't think that anyone's going to fire their coach just so they could hire Gallant at this point midseason? You mean is someone else going to Vegas it? Mm-hmm. Where they fire Gallant just because DeBoer was available and they figure DeBoer has one good season. Let's make it this one. We'll get a cup and mm-hmm. then people won't complain. Um, well, yeah. Who needs a coach right I now? Or better coach right now? <laughs> well, none of the teams that need better coaches. Well, actually, that's not true. No, I really can't. Los Angeles, I think, is just going to stay the course. Yeah. yeah. So and, he's just going to sit out the season, rest of the season and get hired in the offseason? He might. I, I, I don't know. I I get this weird feeling that we're sort of done with coaching roulette until the season ends. Well, until... When's the trade deadline again? <laughs> I, I, I think performance-wise we're done with the carousel, but God knows what... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah sorry, I should have prefaced that. Yeah, you know, prov- provided Akia Malou is doing an interview tonight on Hockey Night in Canada, doesn't name drop somebody else. I think mm-hmm. we're done with the performance-based hockey firings. <clears throat> yeah, because Eakins is too new, McCollin is too new, and is actually getting a hell of a lot out of that Los Angeles team. Don't kid yourselves. Them being as nasty to play against as they are is purely him. Um, Bugner just got there. DW's not going to do anything. Travis Green is very interesting. <laughs> there are no expectations in, in Vancouver, but yet there are all the expectations in the world in Vancouver. Oh, that's Vancouver. This is so true. <laughs> <laughs> They're always like that. <laughs> Well, wherever Ray Shiro lands as a GM, because which I believe is Calgary at this point, right, Pat? <laughs> I mean, he does have a cup ring, so yeah, it makes sense. Although, 
I mean, if Dean Lombardi still hasn't found a full-time position. I don't, I was, it's funny you bring up his name. Um, who was it? The, the, uh, Alex Pruitt, I think, did an article. One, one of the non-sort of mainstream hockey, somebody that covers hockey, but not, you know, for THN or TS or the Hockey News or Not one, not one of the major outlets. Yeah, um did a did an article alex pruitt i think did an article one one of the non sort of mainstream hockey somebody that covers hockey but not you know for thn or ts or the hockey news or not one TSN. not one of the major outlets. yeah um did a did an article like a few years after that that whole mike richards thing and when he was fired and it sounded to me like he was not looking for work anytime soon like he would probably have been just fine not working again in that role. You know, maybe coming in as a hockey ops person or special contributor or something like that, but I think he was done with the GM thing. That's the way it sounded. Yeah. So, yeah, I think because that's why that's largely, sorry, Pat, that's largely why I don't think you hear his name come up. Yeah, because he's not. I, two things, just because you mentioned Mike Richards, it, it makes me wonder whether he, like, that full story will ever come out to the mainstream. Someone's I mean, book. We'll, we'll always hear the rumors, but do we have to wait 20 years for someone's book? Probably. But then also, not. in the back of my mind, could you see Dean Lombardi replacing Colin, Co- uh, Colin, Colin Campbell? In the league office. Someone needs to. (laughs) That that goes beyond saying. I know, right? (laughs) Colin Campbell is Mr. Burns. He is not going to die anytime soon. He is always going to be head of the nuclear power plant. (laughs) And no one likes him. And no one likes him. And that's just not, you know. I think they're going to carry him out like Hannibal Lecter. If if they ever try to extra, uh, God, English word big meaning remove. Um, thank you. Him from that role, they have to take him out like Hannibal Lecter, because that's the only way he'll leave. So no, I don't. I would see Brian Burke heading back to work for the NHL before I would see Dean Lombardi in that role. Oh, and Campbell is. Only, and I say this because hockey men, he's only sixty six, but man, yeah. ooh, is there some age on that on that body? Mm-hmm. That's not the age; it's the mileage. <laughs> that odometer's rolled over a few times more than a sixty six year old man probably should. Yeah, Although that might no be the, the number of turns around the sun he's been on on the planet, but that's not the age yeah. of his body. <laughs> No, yeah, seriously. Although knowing him, he's probably cracked the cracked the speedometer open and rolled his odometer back. Um, uh, yeah, Ottawa has no money, and let's not, you know, Pierre Dorian's actually doing kind of an okay job on a shoestring budget. And DJ King might be kind of the right coach for the right situation, given his yeah. success. 
I think Ray's done on the East Coast. Yeah, and given teams' propensities for getting rid of the one-man buck starts and stops here hierarchy, how many other owners outside of, say, a Calgary? San Jose. San Jose would fly. But they'll... Doug Wilson's a blood tick. (laughs) Well, basically, it's it's a two-headed hockey operations that run San Jose for Hassel. It's John Totora running the business side of it, and Doug Wilson effectively running the hockey side of things. And they report, you know, there's Doug doesn't report to anyone but Hassel, as far as my understanding goes. So, what the hell? So long as Hassel doesn't see red ink, he's not going to care. I don't see him getting fired anytime soon. Hmm. I think True Living's probably, I think Pat's got it right. I think True Living's probably, you know, if the, if this team underperforms, misses the playoffs, or gets bounced in the first round like they did last year, yeah, I can see a massive shakeup because didn't they also just get their arena stuff settled not too long ago? I think they, they did. did. Yeah, so that's on the horizon. They're not going to want to... Yeah. Wow. Ray Shiro and Gerard Gallant in Calgary. We've called it. Woohoo! As, as a... as a, we should call ourselves like the minority report or something. <laughs> Our precog hockey show. Because between the three of us, we've come to the right answer. Okay, pull it. I've read too much Philip K. Dick in the last few weeks, Pat. I was going to say, we we don't have to start recording from inside a pool of gelatinous whatever, do we? (laughs) Get your ass to Mars. Um, All right. All right. Here here we go. Since, Since we've been talking so much about guys being fired, and we, we kind of tap tap danced around this. Coach or GM? Actually, let's limit it to coach, because GM might be a little too easy to answer. But which coach is on safe on the safest grounds? Who who is least likely to be fired in the next seven days? Call me seven. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at 3v3 Podcast. This has been the 3v3 Podcast, sponsored by Nobody.